You see, if God was that, if God was here, if God was, maybe some of you are here tonight and you've actually been doing those things. You've been dealing with some of those things. This is what the enemy's greatest strategy is, is deception. He wants to get us focused on the bad. Well, that shouldn't have happened. You're right. You're right. But it did. I can get bitter or I can get better. I can grow or I can die. Are you okay? Are you okay tonight? Those are the choices. I either buy into the lie of what the enemy is doing or I stand in the truth and say God's got a greater plan. God's got a, that's, why, that's why we need to live this Christian life. Our kids, our families, our friends, they need to see. That's why, Bob, I ask him every week, put this, put this thing up. And I ask all of you, check in on Facebook. And I ask you also to talk about the class. My goodness, we talk about all kinds of stuff on Facebook. Let's talk about God. Let's talk about what we're learning. Let's talk about growing. Let's let those people that don't normally know we're even a Christian hear about it. There's a strategy of hell in the days before the Lord returns. I've been asked this many times. I, I was just telling somebody, I was reading Greg Laurie. <clears throat> I get his things every day, and I get lots of different things every day. And that's why sometimes if you send me emails, I ask you, please keep it short. <laughs> I, got, I got lots of stuff. But Greg Laurie uh, was just interesting. He was, writing on, he was writing on this. And this is a question people get asked me all the time. Uh, Pastor, you think there's going to be a, another revival before the Lord returns? Another awakening? Another Jesus movement? Greg Laurie was sitting down talking to Chuck Smith. And if you remember Chuck Smith, he founded Calvary Chapel, the original Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, California. Great man of God. Great man of God. Went home to be with the Lord a few years ago. And uh, he was having this conversation with Chuck Smith before he died. And he said, Chuck, do you think there's going to be another outpouring? And Chuck Smith said, no, sure don't. And then he said, it's something interesting. The people aren't desperate enough. In the 60s, they were. Even in the 80s, they were. The 2000s. We're not looking for answers from God. We're looking for satisfaction from man. And do I think? No. I think what we're moving into, hook, line, and sinker, is the apostasy. Now listen to me. What am I talking about? The enemy distracting God's people. People turning away in droves. The Bible says in Matthew 24, verse 12, because iniquity abounds. Now understand the 24th chapter is an end times chapter. It's talking about the last days. It's talking about the stuff preceding the rapture. It's talking about the stuff after the rapture. It's talking about very interesting things. But it makes a statement of the 24th verse, and it says these words, because the love of many will grow, or because, because uh, let, me, let me get my head straight here, because iniquity abounds, the love of many will wax cold. Chapter 24, verse 12, Matthew. Because iniquity abounds. Now let me take you to where the context of the passage is. He's talking to the church. Where is iniquity abounding? In the church. Because iniquity abounds in the church, Christians are going to start giving up. The love of many is going to grow cold. Why? If the church is no different than the world, what's the difference? And the devil just says, see, see, Jesus just make it. You know, we were joking around about uh, Steve and Pastor Ray about unconditional reconciliation, which is a new gospel today. Not the gospel, but a new gospel that is saying everything's going to be key. In the end, everybody's saved. Everybody goes to heaven. 
Why'd Jesus die? Okay, and, and so that, that's why, you know, Facebook, we tell you, you know, uh, do, do the, what do they call this thing? Check in. Just click on your Facebook app. Oh, pastor, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. The only one in this room that don't know how to do that's me. <laughs> Actually, I do know how to do it because my wife taught me. Or maybe Bob taught me. Okay, Bob, I can't find it. Will you? Will you I, it's not there. It's supposed to be right at the top of your thing. But check in. Talk about the Bible study. Talk about what you're learning. Talk about church. Talk about, they're talking about everything on Facebook. They want to know what you're talking about. That's why they call it social media. The most unsocial place in the world, but they call it social media. And let them hear. You know what the Bible says? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it says, how will they hear unless somebody tells them? Every time you pick up that little thing and you put a click, click, click on, you're telling them. You're telling them. You didn't even leave your chair, and you're telling them. Folks, the strategy of Satan in the hour we live is to distract the church. He already has the world. John 3, 16. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would do what? Believe in him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17 continues. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. God has no intention. He has no desire of condemning the world. shouldn't say intention. But that the world through him might be saved. But what's it go on to say in the 18th verse? But the world is condemned already. Satan already has the world. Because they've chosen what? Not to believe on the only begotten Son of God. Why? Verse 19 continues. Because men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds will be revealed. Satan's strategy in this hour is to deceive that he can destroy. And he does that by distraction. So don't. I know there's bad stuff happening. I know there's good people doing bad things. There's bad people doing bad things. But we can't let it distract us. We still got to keep people focused on Christ. Amen? We started last week this series or two weeks ago, we started the series on, on uh, the book of Romans. Uh, we talked about this book. It's one of the, it's just a great, simple book. It's a simple read. It's called The Normal Christian Life. I was able to go out and find a bunch of these, and I'm going to buy more. We got 10 of them tonight. I found them for $4.97, okay? The cheapest I've ever found this book in paperback is $7, $7 and something. But we have, I'm sorry? Okay, we've got eight left. If you want one, just come over and don't even talk to me. My wife says, you can't do it because you give them away. <laughs> come get one. It's five bucks, okay? And just give it to my wife, get a book, uh, and take it home. You could probably read it in one night. It's a very simple, simple read. You can get up right now and come get it if you want to. We've got eight of them, and uh, it's called The Normal Christian Life. It's by a guy named Watchman Nee. And he puts some of the simplest analogies for you and I. So come get one from my wife. Uh, it, it, and the whole book's about the book of Romans. That's what the whole book's about. Okay? So it'd be a great book for you to have. And so if you want to get up and come get one, and if you, if you then we'll order some more. If they're all gone, we'll get, we'll get more of them. But I found them for $4.97. Well, pastor, are you trying to make three cents on us? What do you think, John? <laughs> I told my wife, we'll sell them for six bucks. And she said, well, I'm going to have to have change then. So five bucks is good enough. Okay? Okay? But we'll, we'll, have, we'll have some more. Do we have any more left? Okay. Okay, so she took the last one. We'll have some more next week. 
If you want to go out and buy it, that's the cheapest I've ever found them. So I bought 10, and we'll buy 10 more for next week. But $4.97 is what we're paying for them. And because my wife has Prime, we get shipping. Okay? So that's, that's cheap. So anyway, <clears throat> tonight we'll continue. Book of Romans, get ready, set, go. Jack, Romans 1.17 and 18 through 20. It's going to be two different reads. 117, Jack, Romans 117, and then 18 through 20, two different reads, okay? I need, uh, okay, over here is going to be Lavelle, and you're going to be on this side, okay? Uh, matter of fact, because you do have the mic in your hand, I'm going to give you John 1930, okay? So you're going to do John 1930, okay? Bill, I'm going to give you Romans 119 through 20, okay? So Jack... Uh, actually, no, you're not going to do 19 through 20 because Jack's going to do it. I want you to do Romans 2, 14, and 15. Okay? Mrs. Harmeal, uh, John Mark's wife. Roxanne, thank you. Uh, Romans 2, I already gave that to Bill, didn't I? Yeah. Okay. You're going to do t- verses 21 to 23 of Romans 1. Okay? Then we're going to go back over here. Okay, I'm just making sure I'm not. Okay, this is a long one. Who's got a really good, strong voice? Steve Bergeron. Uh, verses 24 to 32 of Romans 1. Okay, I'm going to try to get through all of this, Miss, Mrs. Henry. Uh, uh, Romans 3. Mrs. Henry. Romans 3, 19 and 20. Okay, and... Uh, Gosh, I always forget. Kelly, Kelly, is that right? Kelly, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> okay, I didn't want to interrupt your conversation with Joanne, but Kelly, Matthew five twenty one and twenty two. Okay, we're going to try to get that far tonight. Okay, let me. I'm going to take you back in your notes, and I'm going to read the first verse, the first chapter, first uh, scripture myself, Second Corinthians chapter five. Verses 21, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that's where we're going to start. In your notes, uh, it's right, it's, uh, I don't know, it's right there. It's still in, it's part 1. 2 Corinthians five twenty-one. it says, For he has made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay? He made him. God made Jesus. Let me fill in the blanks. He is God. Him is Jesus. God made Jesus to become sin for... Put, just say your name when I say this. God made Jesus to become sin for... That I, that Carol, that, that uh, Sandy, that Bob, that Sarah, that Cheryl could become the righteousness of God just because you're a heck of a good-looking person. Oh, that's not what it says? Just because you're a good, good, great, awesome person. Why, then? The righteousness of God in Christ. So the correlation, we're going to start. Go ahead, Jack. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The gospel, the good news, the great proclamation is the life-changing power. But the gospel is not just good news. Okay, the, right, the gospel actually has a name. Okay, it is the formulation of the righteousness of God. The good news is the life-changing power of God. Not just a novel religious concept. The gospel brings salvation. It saves you and I from the self-destruction 
that we are bent to do and ultimately hell. The gospel is for everyone that believes. Does believe mean, oh, I, yeah, I, be, I believe that wall's there. We've talked about this countless times. Belief is not passive, it's active. Okay? To believe in something means you put faith in it, trust in it, belief in it. You can stand on it. Okay? All those who believe. The gospel is for everyone that believes. The good news, the great proclamation is that we don't have to depend on our own efforts, but God made a way where there was no way. He sent righteousness from heaven. And His name is Jesus. And in Him, we become righteous. In Him, our lives are changed for eternity. In Him. That's why it says that Jack just read, there was a righteousness revealed from heaven, but it's only by faith. Uh, John Haramiel, go grab me uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 really quick. Okay? It's not in your notes, just write it down. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. I could take them down through 12, but we'll just go 8 and 9. Okay? It is in Christ. A righteousness from God was revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from beginning to the end, the first to the last. That's why it says the righteous one will live a life of faith. It doesn't say can, should, or could. It says will. Ephesians chapter 11, Diane, eleven six. would you please? Okay? We're going to get to all your other readings. Don't worry, okay? Some of you say, oh, I lost more scripture. Yeah, folks, that's how we learn. Yes, Steve. Oh, did I say Ephesians? I'm sorry, Hebrews eleven six. Thank you. Yeah, there's only six in Ephesians. <laughs> Thank you. What did I say, eleven six of he Ephesians? Woo! See, folks, that's why you've got to trust the Bible. The preacher can mess up. Okay, John, read that for me, would you? Um, 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 uh, uh, Paul? No, you've got to have a microphone, because it gets on the tape. God saved you by His grace. You believed. Okay, how did He save us? How did He save us? By His grace. Go ahead. And, how did He save us, John? God saved you by His grace when you believed. Okay, he saved us how? By his grace. When? You believe. Okay, the word believe, trust, and faith are all the same word. Okay, it's active. Okay, he saved us by his grace. What is the grace? It's the power of God operating in your life. We find that, we find that in 1 Corinthians 12. We find that in uh, Colossians. We find that in Ephesians Several different places where the Bible talks about the grace of God. It's not this passive, well, it's unmerited favor. Yes, it is. But it's God's power operating in your life. So he saved us by his grace. How did he do it? By his grace. When did he do it? When we believed. Go ahead. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. It's not about being good enough. It is a free gift. It's by grace through faith. By grace through faith. Say that with me. By grace through faith. It was grace that sent God's Son. God looked at you. I, I love to put it this way. In heaven, there was a conversation going on between judgment and mercy. Judgment and mercy said, we're arguing one day, and judgment said, they're wrong. Mercy said, I know. Judgment said, they need to pay for this. Mercy said, I know. Judgment said, there's consequences. Mercy said, I know. And judgment said, well, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to take care of it. And mercy came. Mercy came. You see, folks, all of us deserve judgment. But how many can say, thank God for mercy? It's by grace you're saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But the works come after. 
We don't get works to be saved. We work after we're saved. Okay? We live a life that emulates that grace. Okay? That's what I said. If we go down into the 10th verse, it says that, that we were saved unto good works, which God foreordained from the foundation of the world. See, God knew Jack Klaus was going to get saved. God planned Jack's life from the foundation of the world. God made a way for everybody to get saved. Yes, He knows who's going to, who's not going to. And He's planned the works of everybody. That's why, well, how do I know the will of God? Get saved. And just start walking the life. And I guarantee God will get you right smack dab into His plan. Okay? So, it's not by works of righteousness, Titus 3, 5 tells us, but it's according to His mercy. So now let's go over here to to uh, Hebrews 11, not Ephesians 11, Hebrews 11. Thank you, Steve, for grabbing that. Okay, Because we can't be good enough, but yet what's the Bible say? A righteousness was revealed from God, from heaven, and that righteousness came to you and I, but it came for us to believe. What's another word for believe? Faith. It's not passive. Trust is not passive. They're all active words. They come from the same Greek Greek word. A righteousness was filled, and that righteousness is established that you and I should live by faith. We will live by faith. Say, Pastor, why is that important? Go ahead, Max, or uh, Diane. Is it working? Hopefully not. It's working. It's working. Go ahead. What's it say? Why is faith important? Listen. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. What's it say? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. You can't even please God without faith. But look what it says. You can't please him without faith. But if you have faith, what's it say? For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He said, I'll make a way, and then I'll reward you for walking in that way. Okay? So let's, let's, look, let's look at this, and let's talk about it. Okay? Righteousness, we've talked about very simply, means right standing with God. It means to be justified. It means to take us from where we are to, we, we are to put us where we need to be. Okay, as we've already talked about in 2 Corinthians 5, God made Jesus to become sin that we who knew no sin could become righteous in Christ. The righteousness comes from God. There's nothing that we can do to be righteous on our own. It is by faith. It's, this is all in your notes. Okay, it's like credit because it's something given to you that you cannot earn. So it is unmerited favor. It is something that we were given. We do not naturally possess it. But it is also something that we have to live. It's from first to last. In other words, it's forever. Not of works. It's not goodness that keeps us righteous. The Bible says it's God's goodness that leads us to Him. But it's faith standing in that well pastor how do i do that well i've never done this before good do it that's called faith Uh, there's a little statement i've made for years if you will step out in faith god will step in in fact how many know that when peter stepped out of that boat nobody ever walked on water before oh yeah but he's sunk well come on puppy let's see you get out of the boat Why did he sink? He took his eyes off the foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, I've done it a thousand times. And I'm pastor. I've been living this life a long time. And I've taken my eyes off Jesus lots of times. And sadly, before Jesus returns, I will probably take my eyes off him again. Don't look at me like that because you do too. Okay? Oh, I'm not going to turn away from him, but I do stupid things. 
Anybody here jo join me? How many have ever done stupid? Okay. Some of us have a, have a degree in stupid. Some of us have a few of them. Okay. Yeah. Some are, some are higher qualified in that area. But we won't talk about that. Okay. But what's the word of God say? God does it. Somebody read 1930 of, of John. Who has that? 1930 of John. Lift your hand. Who has it? Okay, go ahead. Folks, this, this, this is this is going this ooh this is going to be good. This is going to be worth the price of admission. Uh, John nineteen. Yeah, listen to what he says. When Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, "It is finished." He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus is on Calvary, and he said these words: "I thirst." Well, what the people used to do is they would mix wine and vinegar. They called it gall. And what it literally was, was a sedative. They would mix it together, and when Jesus tasted what it was, think about it, okay? The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus tasted death for everyone. That word death is he tasted what it was going to be like to be separated from his father. In all eternity, he'd never been separated from his father, and that's why the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Okay? He had to taste death. They tried to give him uh, wine mixed with vinegar, which is called gall. It's a sedative to do what? He said, I thirst, but they could see the excruciating pain. So the people were moved with compassion. How can you not be moved with compassion when you're in the presence of somebody that is just mercy incarnate? So they're moved with compassion. They try to give him a sedative to ease the pain. They can't stop him from dying. They can't stop all the stuff that has happened, but they can try to ease it. And Jesus said, uh-uh. Uh-uh, devil, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to distract me. I'm going through this. Not my will, but thy will. Am I making sense to you? Okay? You're not going to do this, devil. And that's when he looked up to heaven, and he said, Tetzalatzi. It's the Greek word for it is finished. Now, think about it. Oh, think about it. Mm, this is good. Think about it, okay? He said, he said, Joe, I know everything already that you've ever gone through. I know every." He said, Pastor, I wasn't even there. Oh, he knew you a long time ago. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, for the joy that was set before him. Do you know what that joy was? Do you know what that joy was? It was the 20th of July. 2016 sitting at a bible study and a man named joe nieto decided i'm gonna make a decision for jesus and jesus said i'm gonna taste death for joe i'm gonna and he looked at the devil and he said okay devil it's finished he's worth it paul's worth it jewel ann is worth it it is finished devil you want to rumble Amen. i'm your huckleberry <laughs> different time but it was a good good example good example you know remember remember what remember what in that movie i don't mean to distract y'all remember, remember when johnny ringo and doc holiday doc holiday comes he's playing the part of wyatt earp because wyatt's supposed to meet johnny ringo and Wyatt tells him, or uh, Johnny, or uh, Ringo, the guy, he says, my, my, my fuss wasn't for you. Oh, he, uh, I beg to differ with you. Remember, you wanted to play for blood. You know what Jesus was saying? Devil, you want some blood? I'm all in. Let's go for it. Are we okay today? He said, you're worth it. It is finished. Max, you don't have to worry about it again. You screw up. I'm sorry is that, if that word offends you. You mess up. You fall flat on your face. Whatever word you want to use. Guess what? Jesus said, it's finished. Max, don't worry. Just stand back up. Matter of fact, if you don't even think you can stand back up, don't worry. That's what my righteous right hand for. Remember, it was my righteousness that I gave you. 
and I'm going to uphold. Matter of fact, he said these words, and the, 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 the psalmist said, you know, though a righteous man falls seven times, God said, it's okay. Get back up, and I'll, I'll lift you. Matter of fact, he had this conversation with Mr. Peter. You know Mr. Peter, Mr. Self-Righteous? Oh, you know, what if somebody sins against me seven times in the same day? I know the, the law says I'm supposed to forget. But what if he keeps it up? Oh, Jesus said, no big deal. Just 70 times more. But God, you don't understand. Sure I do. I finished it. I finished it. I understand perfectly where you are. Because I've been there. And I tasted exactly what you're dealing with. See, that's what the righteousness from heaven. Because you will never be, I will never be, we will never be good enough. God had to send good enough. And his name was Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Mm, mm, mm. Romans chapter 1. Here's the problem that we deal with today. This is yours, Jack. This is the problem we deal with today. And I want you to hear this. God is not pleased with mankind. I was, how many enjoyed Pastor Joe Whitinger on Sunday? Wasn't that fun? I love the, <laughs> I sit there and, and he's talking. He said, you know, I just want to kill somebody sometimes. I want to ask God to be my assassin. Did you know that that's what God told Moses? He said, I'm not pleased with man. I think I'm going to kill him. God wouldn't do that. Well, you ought to tell Noah that. God said, 120 years. He started the boat. Oh, you think Noah did that? Oh, yeah. God worked through Noah and his kids. But who do you think built the boat? Well, Noah and his kids with God's strength. God built the boat, God finished the boat, and God said, 120 years of preaching. Because who do you think closed the door on the boat? God said, it's finished. <laughs> At Calvary, it's finished. See, God wants us to know that it's in Him, through Him, by Him, that we do all things. And this is what the book of Romans tries to get through our thick heads. Mankind is caught up in his own thing. Now we're going to get in some rough chapters in the book of Romans. And I'm not going to apologize for anything because it's not my word, it's his. Are you okay with that? Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. Remember the 17th verse that Jack just read a moment ago? God made a way. There's a righteousness that God gave from heaven. He said, all you got to do is by faith. John Harmiel just read it. I said, I, he said, my grace is there. All you got to do is grab it by faith. By faith. And without faith, you can't even please him. But God said, I'm going to do it all. Remember that argument between justice and mercy? Justice was right. We are guilty. But mercy said, I'll take care of it. I'll pay the price completely. How many can say, I'm glad? But look what happens. Man still chooses not to believe. John 3, 18 and 19. Because they know if they believe, their deeds will be revealed. And none of us like to get caught with our pants down. We don't like to be caught wrong. Jack, let's read about man for a little bit here. Starting with the 18th verse down to the 20th verse. And I just want, I'm going to stop you one time, maybe twice. Pastor Ray is just chuckling at me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, let's go. John, I mean, Romans 1, 18 through 20. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godless and wickedness of men 
who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So is God putting judgment upon everybody? Yeah, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But you and I have built our house on the rock. Others have built their house on the sand. Okay, who is God pouring out His wrath on? There's a segment of people. It's not those that don't know the truth. What are they doing? What's the word He just used? They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. There's a statement I've made for many years. It's never an issue of knowing what to do. It's always an issue of doing what you know. There's not a single man or woman in this room that doesn't know wrong when they do it. I'll get there. But they do know they're doing wrong. But they still choose to do it. What are they doing when you do that? Suppressing the truth. Amelia. Go ahead. Take a mic. When you said that men know in their hearts as scripture came to mind that uh-huh um that the law of god is written on our hearts and our uh-huh. conscience bears witness and self-accuses and conscience means with knowledge con means with science means knowledge so with knowledge we we just know what is right and wrong we really don't need others to tell us or i don't think we need to go to church or even read a book we know no matter where we live, we're remotes of wherever, like we know, because it's written, written on our hearts, and God's given every man a conscience. That's what the Word of God says. God wrote His law on our hearts. That's why I don't care who you are. Um, uh, what the passage she was just talking about is First John chapter two. Uh, verse 27 we have no need that anyone should teach us why because god has written his law upon our heart now people use that as excuse and i don't know if this is where you're going with that well i don't need to go to church because i already know then why don't you do i don't i don't think that's where you're going but that's what happens see i've made this statement for years and it's a very hard statement but it's a very true statement there's random exceptions but very few you don't have to be go to church to be a christian but if you don't go to church, you probably won't stay a Christian. Now, there's, rant, there's a few out there, okay? Why? What did I talk about at the beginning of this day? Because of the deceptive power of the enemy. Why do you think we have over a thousand denominations in America? Because people have taken God's word out of context. Okay? But we know right and wrong. Why? God wrote it on our hearts. God placed it on our hearts. Is that the question you were asking? Or you were comments you were making? Yeah. God wrote it on our hearts. So we know what it is. But we suppress the truth in unrighteousness. What did God send from heaven? Righteousness. What did we choose to do with it? Nail it to a cross. I'm using it. What we do do with the righteousness? We nailed it to a cross. Why? Because we prefer unrighteousness. We prefer darkness. Because the enemy has gotten us to believe it's okay. Eat, drink, be married, tomorrow you die. They suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Look what they did. Continue on, Jack. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. We look at the world. I was talking to an insurance guy today, uh, you know, just looking at insurances and stuff like that. And I, act, I asked him, I said, do they still call travesties and horrendous things acts of God? He said, oh yeah, still do. I said, how come they don't call good things blessings of God then? See, man wants to blame God. They just don't want to accept rule by God. We want to blame God for things. But God said, I've made it plain. I've made it clear. I've written it on your heart. I've gave you every reason, every rationale to believe. But because you choose not to, 
We are without excuse. There are millions of people who have died around the world in the last 100, 150 years, World War I, World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam, the World Trade Center, the, the different things that have happened. Why does mankind do this? Because the creature who is you and I will not acknowledge that there is a creator. We suppress the truth. We think that we are the ones that have made everything and do everything. Unless you listen to Barack Obama and you didn't create anything. You didn't build anything. You didn't do anything. Sorry, that's politics. I'll get off of that real quick. That was free. It wasn't even in my notes. So, but the reality, God says, Romans 12, we will all give account one day. Bill, I see you took a microphone. So you must have something to say. Oh, you're going to read. Okay. What's the Bible say? We know. And because of that, we will be without excuse. God gave us everything on a silver platter. Gave us freely His own Son. Why, do, why won't He give us everything? Yet we refuse just simply to acknowledge our Father. Remember, heart has to tell the head before the feet will move. Romans 1, 19 and 20 continues on what Jack was saying. So go, I'm not, sorry, I'm sorry. Let me, you're going to go to Romans 2, right? In 19 and 20, he just said, since what was already known is plain, but they've rejected it. Romans 2, 14 through 15, brings what God understands to bring us all together. Go ahead, uh, Bill. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law. Whoa. It worked Powerful, really huh? New microphone, new battery. <laughs> Even who? Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience, and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. So that passage in 1 John 2, not just for the Jews, even the Gentiles. How many ever saw that movie years ago? I've never saw the whole movie. I saw parts of it and thought it was the dumbest thing on creation. Uh, the gods must be crazy. Is that the movie they, that were uh, soda bottles thrown out of the wind, uh, plane or something? Yeah. And they started worshiping it, worshiping it. I have been to some of the most remote parts of the world by God's grace. They worship the strangest things. I was in, I was in Malaysia and I went to a Buddhist temple. They got over a million gods. These temples, hideous, hideous. And you're worshiping this, why? Man is incurably religious. We will worship something. It doesn't matter where you're at. Oh, what if the people in the deepest, darkest jungles, I mean, how are they going to? God wrote it on their hearts. And God will reveal. All they have to do is ask. How do you get favor from God? All you got to do is ask. That's all you got to do. And that's all they got to do. But instead, they choose to make gods of their hands. Make statues. Make all these different things. Who chooses? We choose. Instead of saying, okay, I know that I know this for some reason. Is there somebody there? And God says, I'll reveal myself to you. All I got to do is ask. Even the Gentiles, who never read the law, show that they know it, even though they never even heard it. Many want, and it's in your notes, what I call a designer God. Like a designer husband or designer wife. or You know they're making designer kids right now? Did you know that? 
Did you know that doctors have figured out a way to build the child you want? They take the cells from this person, the cells from that, and they impregnate the woman. You still can't have kids without a guy and a girl. So if you think that homosexuality is okay, it's the only thing in creation that's not natural. You say, well, how are you saying it's not natural? It can't reproduce. Everything in creation reproduces. Two guys and two girls can't. Not without man's intervention. Are you okay out there? You can't say that stuff. I just did. Still love me? John, you love me, don't you? Okay, good, good. Kelly, it's okay back there? Okay, good. Everything in God's creation reproduces. What do you mean it's not natural? My life's not natural. I was born this way. No, you chose to live that way. I thought I'd throw that in there. It's free. Not even in your notes. There it is. Romans 1, 21 and 23. Who has that? You know I wouldn't want to design everything? Because we want things to work the way we want them to work. I need to turn this down a little bit, Bob. You know which one it is? Just a little bit. Oh, it's not me? Okay. Okay, go ahead. Yes, thank okay, you. That's what we got turned down there. Just a little bit. Go ahead. Yes, they knew God. They wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and rep reptiles. So what happens? Even though they know someone or something is there, they won't cry out. They won't recognize because they don't want to deal with the consequences of somebody being there. And so they decided to build things themselves. See, those who won't recognize God, this is in your notes, do these things and they tell us that we are wrong because we tell them that they are wrong. Why? It's in your notes there. Why? Why can we sit back and say the life you're living is not correct? It's a, it's a fancy word that I talked about a few weeks ago when we first started this. Morals. Do you know where morals come from? Do you know where moral law comes from? This book. Without God, there are no morals. That's why the Bible tells us in the book of Judges and 1 Kings, when there is no law, everyone does what's right in their own eyes. So why do they want to do away with God? Well, because why? That we can do what we want. You see, if we can kill God, we can kill conscience. And what's to say about the Gentiles? Even the Gentiles that do not even know God. What happens? Their conscience proves. Conscience is just another fancy word for dropping your mic. No, not really. And getting your hearing aids all out of whack. Conscience is just another fancy word for the leading of God. God wrote it on your heart. God wrote it. Okay, the word con comes from the word flesh. And I think it's kind of interesting. It's flesh and science merged together. Conscience. Now, I'm not trying to get spiritual. I'm not trying to get biblical in that. But I think it's kind of interesting, that word conscience. Where the flesh and reality, which is what science is supposed to be. See, science is supposed to be based on empirical data, reality, facts. But today's science is based on fiction many times. 
That's why they have evolution. They can't prove it, but they swear it's science. Am I making sense tonight? And see, this is what happens when our conscience is challenging us. It is what God has written inside every single man, woman, and child. Here's what happens. Man blatantly chooses to ignore God, and God lets him indulge in their own iniquity and rebellion. And just like an exasperated father, God says, okay, you want it your way? Go ahead. How many ever did that with their kids? Oh, I'm the only one that ever did that. I love my, okay, go. You want to run into a wall and hit your head? Go ahead. How many ever had their baby when they, were, they first started riding a bicycle? Had training wheels on it? How many know you had to take the wheels off sooner or later? You didn't want to do it because you knew it's, they could possibly fall down and get hurt. But you knew they couldn't balance in life unless you took the training wheels off. God had to let them go. Say, okay, kids. You want to do it your way? And then 2,000 years ago, he said, okay, are you okay with this? I'm going to send the way from heaven. I'm going to make the way. And if you'll just get in it. Am I making sense tonight? Okay, got a long portion of scripture. Any questions, any thoughts? Is this, is this making sense tonight? Jack, am I doing okay? Okay, Bob, okay. Larry, good. Kelly, how am I doing? Making sense? You know, people say, Pastor, why do you ask that? Because all of this makes sense to me. That doesn't mean it makes sense to anybody else, though. Don't you agree with me either, Pastor? Okay. It all makes sense to me, but... Who's got this next passage? This long one. Steve? Okay. Romans 1, 21, uh, 24 to 32. This is what happened. This is what happened... When God said, okay, you want to you have your own way? Now think about it. Let's go all the way back to man's original creation. And think about the days of Noah. And then think about the flood. God destroyed everything. But then it started all over. You'd think man messed it up the first time. Oh, gosh, he has to do it right the second time. But then it started all over. And Steve's going to tell us about it, aren't you, Steve? Amen. Go ahead, start with the 24th verse. Romans 1, there you go. Therefore God, gave, therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. And worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Okay, so think about that for just a second. They exchanged the truth, thank you, the truth of God for what? Okay, now let's go back to the very beginning of tonight. What did I talk about? There's a lot of stuff happening today. You can't get distracted. The enemy's trying to get people to believe a lie. This is just what it is. This is just life. Just get used to it. No. But God said, in me is life. In me is life. The world's going to do what the world does. They're exchanging the truth of God. In Christ is life. In the world there's death. And we're seeing it every day. Okay? They're exchanging the truth of of God for a lie. They're worshiping the created rather than the creator. Now think about that in your life for a second. Why do people get caught up on a paycheck? Is that the creator or the created? Why do we get caught up in a better home? Creator, created. Why do we get caught up in, in a perfect family? Look at somebody and say, I don't know, I'm not perfect. Why do we, I mean, yeah, we all want all this stuff. Do you know why? 
Because we know that's the way it's supposed to be. We know that's the way it's supposed to be. And one day it's going to be. Just not today. Are we okay? Are you hearing what I'm saying? They, they exchanged the truth for a lie and began to worship creation instead of the creator. And so again, what happened? What did God do? Steve, go ahead. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Okay, now stop there. Now he's going to give us a whole litmus, a whole litany, rather, of things that happen when you've turned away from God. And tell me if these things aren't happening in today's world. He gave this picture, women going after women, men going after men. Well, you know, that's not for today. Every word of it is for today, just like it was for the beginning. Interesting thing. That's the way it was in the days of Noah. Not just that, but lots of other things. That's the way it was in the days of Lot. That's the way it was in today. The entire world has accepted that lifestyle. And matter of fact, if you don't accept it, what are you? A bigot, homophobe, fear monger. You guys okay out there? The world is trying to distract us. People say, well, pastor, you've got to be more sensitive. You've got to be more understanding. You don't, you don't, you don't understand family that have, those, have that, those people, you know, they live that lifestyle. They do that. Folks, my brother died of AIDS. My brother. I know it really well. I watched him. I went and prayed for him on his deathbed. He blew up like a balloon. Complications of AIDS because he lived a homosexual life. I know it really well. I'm very tender. I'm very compassionate. But you know what? Whether he lived or died wasn't the issue. I want to make sure he's saved. And everything in in me tells me that he was saved when he died. He left the lifestyle. Oh, he didn't get back into a hetero lifestyle, but he, didn't, he got out of the other lifestyle. Folks, I know it really well. So I don't preach down. I preach truth. Okay? It's not a natural. What's the Word of God said? They left their natural life. Are you okay out there? Folks, this is the book of Romans. And it gets harder before it gets easier. But this is a word we need to understand, especially in the hour we leave. So look at the litany of things that it says. Go on, Steve. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, They're whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. What did he just describe? July 20th, 2016. Every word of it, folks. Every word of us. And it's all wrapped around that word, unrighteousness. They rejected the righteousness of God that was sent from heaven. This is sin in its mostly most highly evolved form this is what we're talking about here listen listen to this it's a violation 
of moral absolutes, which is based on moral authority. Where do morals come from? You can have religion without morals, but you can't have Christianity without God. That's why every religion in the world is based on works, except for one. Which one? Christianity. Every religion is of works. Why? Because if you just do good enough, God will understand. If you just be good enough, God will understand. If you just give good enough, God will understand. God said, I sent righteousness from heaven. I understand one thing, and that is my son Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Okay? People are morally depraved, out of line with a righteous God, blinded by what is called the new religion of the world. It's called moral relativism, which is simply a comma of denial. It's okay, comma, God understands. You're only flesh after all. It's a rejection of God. It's a rejection of moral absolutes. Because they go hand in hand. You discard God, which is the pillar of morality, and very soon the world topples in a cesspool of human degradation. Can you say amen? Amen. Society appears, Alexander, whatever his last name is, it's in your notes. Society appears to have a little defense against the abyss of human decadence. Okay, God gave us morals. There's another word that you can put in for moral. God gave us absolutes. Okay? The problem is, in 1963, Mick Jagger got up there and started teaching everybody, I can't get no satisfaction. And the rest of the world bought into it. And that's what they've lived for. Do you know what the proverb writer says in the 27th chapter? No, but I think you're going to tell us, Pastor. Yes, I am. I'm going to take you there. That way I don't quote it because I want to get all of it. Uh Uh-huh. Look what it says here. Verse 20, death and destruction are never satisfied. Neither are the eyes of man. Death and destruction are never satisfied. That's why man can't get no satisfaction. Because we're being filled with death and destruction. One translation says, Hell and destruction are never satisfied. You cannot get rid of morals and keep God. The Ten Commandments, the law of God, was written on your heart and mine. God gave us the law for what purpose? To make us righteous? Nope. To reveal God's character. That's why God gave us the law. But what's the law also do? It reveals our character. That's why the law is still in effect, in effect today. That's why God didn't, he didn't do away with it. Jesus fulfilled it. We become righteous because what? The law? No. We become righteous because Christ fulfilled the law. The law is what helps us to understand God's character and reveals our character. Why do we feel? I spent a whole several weeks talking about being guilty, yet living guilt-free. Why do we feel guilty outside of Christ? Why? Because the law of God is like an x-ray machine. It has an ability, it has the power to expose sin. It just doesn't have the power to heal. It reveals. That's why God had to reveal. What would you read, Jack? A righteousness from heaven was revealed from God. And the just, the righteous one, shall live by faith. You and I that cry out to Christ. 
The law shows us how bad our lives have become, showing us from where we are to where God had originally intended for us to be. I'm in your notes, folks. This is why there is so much pain in life, because we are not what we know we should be. Even you and I sitting in this room, purposing to live the Christian life, we still mess up. We still feel bad at times. Why? Because that law is always shining a light. But judgment says guilty. Mercy says, I'm taking care of it. This is why the secular person is so against the law of God and moral absolutes. Because God, just like a light, the law is shining on a cockroach. And our sin is awakened through God's law. Who has Romans chapter 3, verses 19 and 20? I want to close with that. See, grace is amazing. Grace is amazing. Grace is what enables you and I to live the life that God has called us to live. Grace. So 3 through 20, who has that? Or, I'm sorry, not 3 through 20, 3, 19, and 20. Now we know that we're, whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law shines a light down. We're not justified by the law. We're justified through righteousness, by God's grace. Every mouth will be shut. We're guilty. No one has excuse. We're going to stop there and continue next week. Whoever had Matthew 5, uh, let me hold on here. Yeah. We'll end in, uh, you got Matthew 5, Bob? Who has Matthew 5? Kelly? Go ahead and read Matthew 5 before we end. Microphone, microphone, please. Matthew 5.